0: You know, Mom told me once when we were kids that dogs can pick up on vibes from people like like they know when we're happy or sad or scared. It's too bad we're not dogs. There were so many aspects of the Smile album and the elements and, and all the things that made up the record that he just, uh, he had to to just let it go. Because it came at a time when Brian was just really finding it difficult to stay focused. He wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it. It wasn't fulfilling him, it was painful. So uh, we made Smiley
1: smile instead. Hello friends, and welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. And as you can tell by the intro, we are on to Season 3 and the Smile Sessions. Thanks to everyone for listening to our Pet Sounds episodes. They were very popular, and I've heard from so many great people from the audience, and I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in as we push forward through the career of America's band, our band, the Beach Boys. I'm flying solo today, and we will reconvene with Jason at a later date to review the Smile album. But we do have two new behind the scenes team members, the Sail research team, headed up by Will Crera and John Brode. Welcome aboard, boys. Very excited about working with you. Now that we are up to speed, let's celebrate the news. So we finally got that copyright extension release we were holding out for. But it wasn't quite what we were envisioning. A couple of weeks ago we saw the release of I'm Going Your Way, a three song EP of uh, unreleased 1969 tracks. Just three tracks though. Um, the title track, uh, AKA California Slide, Slip On Through, an early version, and Carnival, Over the Waves. I have been told that there is a more extensive release planned for later this year with outtakes from Sunflower and Surf's Up, so we're holding fast, awaiting more information. You'll hear it here first. We also had an interesting digital release from Murray Wilson and a group called Snow. The Breakaway EP is available now. We're together. The press release from Omnivore Recordings reads, In 1969, Rick Hen brought a group of interest to Murray Wilson. Purportedly from somewhere in the Midwest, not much is known about this four-member singing group called Snow. Omnivore Recordings is proud to announce the digital-only release of the Breakaway EP, four previously unissued tracks recently discovered in the Beach Boys archives, Murray Wilson and Rick Hen co-produced the EP, which includes the title track, penned by Brian Wilson and Murray, under the pseudonym Reggie Dunbar. The song also became a mid-chart hit for the Beach Boys in 1969. Also included on the EP are We're Together Again, another Brian Wilson Beach Boys outtake, and two other tracks, Wilderness and Bless Me. Unfortunately, not much is known about these last two tunes. Pretty cool little release. Um, Definitely check it out. Uh, you can get it wherever uh, you stream music. Um, I don't know a lot about this, and I think this kind of hit a lot of people by surprise. Even our um, our resident uh, Murray Wilson historian, George Faulkner, was kind of blindsided by this. But um, we are uh, excited to get anything we can from Murray Wilson and um, the Beach Boys family. So um, very cool, really neat, especially hearing um, the two Beach Boys tunes redone here. Both Brian Wilson and The Beach Boys are back on the road right now. So go check out the dates. You know where to go. BrianWilson.com and TheBeachBoys.com. And if you can't get the real thing, well, don't worry. The Sail On Tribute Band is hitting it hard all over the U.S. Go check out our dates at SailOnSounds.com. We're actually going to be over on the West Coast a good bit. So go check that out. Please let me know if you're going to come And maybe we can share an adult beverage and debate whether or not little tomboy belongs on love you or adult child.
0: So we're rolling. We're rolling away.
1: (laughs) 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 So let's listen to a voicemail. They didn't leave a name. So here's a mystery caller.
2: Hey guys, a long time listener, first time caller. I'm just sitting here watching the Pet Sounds doc on my Amazon Prime and remember that I wanted to call in and tell you about a little Christmas story. Uh, I was in Pebble Beach, California for Christmas with my boyfriend and his family, and we were walking around Carmel-by-the-Sea, which is a little neighboring village, on Christmas Eve. And we were working our way back up the hill from the beach, and as we were crossing the street, uh, there was a person crossing the street sort of the opposite way. We were converging on one corner, and that person was none other than Mike Love, and he had a Beach Boys hat on and a a big puffy jacket that said Dr. Love on it. Um, I, of course, freaked out. I uh, screamed, that's Mike Love, and then he turned and sort of ducked into a store to avoid me, because I probably looked crazy, Um, but I I was weak at the knees for the rest of the day, and I freaked out i got a lot of encouragement to go talk to him but i took his ducking me into a store as a sign that i should probably leave him alone but uh, as soon as it happened i was like i gotta call the guys and tell them Uh can't wait for the new episodes and the new season really looking forward to it really polishing up on my 66 67 music and knowledge so looking forward to hearing you guys talk about that happy new year
1: Well, Happy New Year to you too, Mystery Caller, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show, and I'm even happier that you ran into Mike Love. I'm very jealous, and I'm very jealous of his awesome jacket, and uh, yeah, sorry we don't know your name, but I really appreciate you calling. Okay, let's do some emails. Um, First up, our buddy down under, Charles Needle. Now that Pet Sounds is finished, I'm guessing you'll be moving to Good Vibrations. The song that started it for me. I remember to this day the thrill I felt on hearing it for the first time. I was visiting a friend, listening to some records, and his older brother had some weird stuff, including this new Beach Boys song. I was drawn to it with its strange instruments and harmonies. The break with ah, and then where they burst back in. The effect of that moment made me realize that I was going to be a music lover forever. Cheers, Charles Needle. And here's Randy Adams. I just discovered your podcast thanks to my dear friend, Kim Edwards. I am currently listening to the fourth episode about Pet Sounds, and loving every minute. I'm a guy old enough to remember the Beach Boys from the beginning. I was really more of a Beatles fan until I heard Good Vibrations, and I've been a steadfast fan ever since. I saw them live around 1971, but Brian was not with them. Just a couple of years ago, Kim got us backstage tickets to see Mike and Al and the current band live, and it was such an incredible experience. Everyone can probably remember how they felt the first time they heard Good Vibrations, but as a 14-year-old kid, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It changed everything about the way I listened to music. I started playing guitar when I first heard the Beatles a few years earlier, and totally devoured Revolver and Rubber Soul. But Good Vibrations was when the Beach Boys vaulted ahead in my estimation. It was the first time I ever heard tempo and feel changes like that. And I heard it as something like a symphonic form, but clearly a pop rock song. I have followed them ever since, and the way you pick songs apart is truly wonderful. Keep up the good work. Randy Adams Thanks very much, guys, for the emails. Yes, we are indeed getting into good vibrations today, and uh, we're going to learn a lot. At least I am. Because uh, there's a lot to learn about this song. Uh, If you have smile stories, please feel free to write podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about it. And uh, if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon page now with bonus content that will tide you over between podcasts. I just put out the first video episode a couple days ago. Um, A friend and supporter, Bruce Harbour, sent a big box of Beach Boys goodies, and I did an unboxing over there, so check that out, patreon.com slash sailon. Quick shout-out to our new patrons. John Ferry, Mario Kissler, Susie Samansky, and Uncle Jeff. What's up, guys? Love and mercy to you. Thank you very much. Thanks to all our patrons for keeping the show advertisement free for all of our listeners. And that's a hundred thousand strong. That's right. We passed a milestone this week, and I'm blown away. Had to tell you guys about it. One hundred thousand listeners. Thank you very much, in all seriousness. Um, I'm really excited, and uh, I appreciate you guys sticking with us.
0: We love you!
1: All right, we wrapped up our 12-part Pet Sounds discussion last month, and now we're going to have to backtrack just a bit because for six months, Brian was tinkering away at his Pocket Symphony that was too ambitious, even for the Pet Sounds album. So let's go back to February 17th, 1966. At the end of a long week of tracking songs such as wouldn't it be nice that's not me and hang on to your ego this session at gold star featuring 15 musicians would provide the complete backing track for the original pet sounds era version of a brand new song called good vibrations vibrations, this was not recorded in a modular fashion that didn't really start till the end of pet sounds remember this is february no overdubs were added In six months, the verses will be spliced out and incorporated into both of the known track assemblies for the single. Hammond B3 by Larry Nechdel and Fender Bass by Ray Pullman. In the second half of the verse, in come the woodwinds. Steve Douglas, Jay Migliori, Plaz Johnson, and Bill Green. Accompanied by Frank Capp on bongos and Hal Blaine on drums.
0: Let me
1: hear the organ. The tambourine and sleigh bells are played by two unknowns, referred to as Terry and Tony. Most likely, Terry Melcher and Tony Asher. Lyle Ritz leads us into the chorus on the upright bass. Then you add Billy Strange and Al Casey on electric guitars, Don Randy on piano, and most notably Paul Tanner on the electro Just three days after its first use, by Brian, on I Just Wasn't Made For These Times, Tanner would become a regular at nearly all the good vibes sessions over the next few months. Where the chorus in the final single is smooth and driving, there's a more percussive quality to the original attempt. The iconic walking bass line isn't especially as defined here, and there's a stronger emphasis on the chords, which really draws in the comparisons to The Boy From New York City. In early takes, Billy Strange was playing a lead guitar part in the chorus, but Brian said it sounded too Mickey Mouse, so he just had him play chords.
0: Okay, forget it, play uh, chords. Can you play chords? Take all the highs off, all the highs. Okay, now, can we do this? I'd like to start it out now, this time, with the uh, organ and the Fender Bass, okay? And then then, uh, the bongos will come in the second half like everything else. All right, here we go. Organ, Fender Bass, and Piccolo.
1: Far removed from the Phil Spector worship of Brian's early productions, he's now experimenting with minimalism, arranging dynamics in the studio. Musically, this is not that different from the final product except the chorus. You see there's a 8 bar signature riff in G flat No difference there, but instead of shifting up a step, they go all the way up to a fourth and then back down to G flat Which is a more standard blues progression third chorus, after the bridge, hadn't been developed either, so instead we go into an abridged chorus in the original key, followed by a four-bar woodwind and theremin break. And with what could be the most unhinged drum fill ever committed to a Beach Boys record, Hal Blaine takes us into a fourth chorus, for what would be the fade-out. So that was the first and only complete run, take 28. That was used as the master and the session was wrapped. Though some of this track did make it all the way to the single released in October, the contributions of Don Randy, Al Casey, Billy Strange, and Paul Tanner were not featured within those verse sections. A capital memo dated 23rd February lists good, good, good vibrations as a track on the early lineup for Pet Sounds. But as you and I already know, that did not last. Let's now jump to Thursday, March 3rd, 1966. Back to Western recorders, after the original backing track was mixed down from three-track to mono, on a new four-track tape, Brian gave the early good-good-good vibrations, some basic overdubs, amidst vocal recordings on Wouldn't It Be Nice, and I Know There's an Answer. An extra bass part was added to the chorus, and Carl sang a double tracked scratch vocal using Tony Asher's placeholder lyrics. For reasons unknown, no opening line is sung in the first verse. Maybe there wasn't a line at all, or maybe it was just punched in late. Either way, the first line of Tony's original lyric is unknown to this day, if there actually was one.
0: She's already working on my brain
1: During the same overdub, Tony Asher himself played a double-track jew's harp, bouncing around something sort of resembling the bass line, and Paul Tanner doubled the theremin parts. In a capital memo dated March 3rd, there's a line that reads, The selection good, good, good vibrations will not be included in subject album. So what do we make of that? Saturday, April 9th, with Pet Sounds all but done, Brian reconvened at Gold Star, this time with the title simplified to Good Vibrations. He decided to give the song another crack. This was basically just a remake of the first attempt with some small changes. It would not be used by Brian in any known track assembly edits. We get started here at a more relaxed pace with a heavier, lumbering feel. This was one of three good vibration sessions to feature Carol Kay, although she plays 12-string guitar here rather than bass. There's a cool low theremin part on the verses this time, which I really like, and also a bouncy, upright bass. Most of the same players are here reprising their roles. We added Mike Melvoin on a saloon-style tack piano, Carl Fortina on accordion, Tommy Morgan on bass harmonica and Bill Green doubling the bass line with a contrabass clarinet. So there it is, the chorus progression, no longer the blues style 1 4 1. We now have the modulating riff shifting up whole steps and then in reverse for the third chorus. The bridge is now concurrently in the key of B flat. Rather than breaking immediately into the 3rd chorus, we get a 4-bar flute and bass harmonica duet, not dissimilar to the break before the coda in the original arrangement, only moved to an earlier part in the song. So back to the chorus in A-flat for 4 bars, and then something strange happens. Eight bars of chorus stripped down to nothing but the organ, upright bass, and contrabass clarinet. Some military-esque drum fills from Hal Blaine taking us into the fade chorus with the rest of the band, carrying on until Brian speaks over the talk back. A month later, just two weeks before Pet Sounds was due to be released, Brian returned to Western Studio 3 to have yet another shot at recording good vibrations. In reality, this was only the beginning of a long stretch of new sessions, the largest amount of hours Brian would ever spend on a single production, excluding heroes and villains, of course, which uh, we'll get to very soon. To engineer Chuck Britz, this very session at Western in early May was the one where everything clicked. He said, Brian wanted it better and better. But the emotional aspects of a song can be done the first time, the best you're ever going to do. Let's face it, you can only do something so well. Ultimately, it would only produce the first bridge in the final single edit. This was almost a full new version, intending to replace everything except the verses. It was tackled in two parts. The first, logged as first chorus, was exactly that.
0: I think it was like one... Excuse me. Nice wave on that theremin about just like you had it. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three.
1: This session sounds much fuller and more dynamic than the previous two, and the band feels tighter. This is why Brian wanted to studio hop at the time, Gold Star was perfect for spacious, less definable, echoey wall of sound productions. Western was a reliable home base, and brought a more immediate, controllable sound to the table. Columbia was the only place in LA with an 8-track machine, as we know from the Pet Sound's vocal sessions, and Sunset Sound was somewhere Brian went a handful of times and then almost never went back. Of course, this is emphasized probably far too much in discussion about good vibrations, But the distinction between Western and Gold Star, and later Brian's home studio, is a very important one. As for the musicians on these basic tracks, Al DeLore plays the honky-tonk piano, Al Casey and Jerry Cole on rhythm guitars, Jim Gordon on drums this time, Frank Capp on bongos, Tommy Morgan back on bass harmonica, Jay Migliore, Steve Douglas on flutes, Jim Horn on piccolo, Bill Green on bass sax, and of course Paul Tanner on the theremin. The extra bouncy bass sound is a three-way combo. Bill Pittman on Dan Electro's six-string, Ray Pullman on Fender Bass, and Jimmy Bond on Upright. This is the first time Bill Pittman was called up to play Dano Bass for Brian, which would be the case in a majority of sessions over the next year. Not too much changed on the chorus this time, other than some minor textures and parts. The bridge is also roughly the same, just shortened to 20 bars from 24 with a new low theremin riff. It really gels together for the first time here. After the descending third chorus, there is a new section that we can call the Prelude to Fade, which would later be recorded and used in the single. A brief ascending and descending echo of the chorus progression with the bass on root notes that finally lands in the key of A flat. Another chorus plays out in this key for the fade and we're done.
0: right we're starting with the uh, regular course like we did before Frankie who can state over dub tambourine and uh, jingle bells all right if those who can stay that's fine Jerry and Jimmy right
1: It took 21 takes for the first chorus section, and then 8 more for the second chorus to fade out. There were two overdubs performed on each section, consisting of a second tack piano, allegedly played by Van Dyke Parks, Jew's Harp, Sleigh bells, and Tambourine. Brian's friend David Anderley will recall. When I first got in with Brian, it was right around the time of the fifth or sixth attempt at Good Vibrations. It knocked me out and I said, oh, there's something happening here that is unbelievable. The next time I came up, it was different again. The next time I came up, Brian told me that he decided to totally scrap the song. He was not going to put it out. The track was gonna be sold to Warner Brothers and put out as an R&B record. I told Danny Hutton about this and he said, Well, let's see if I can't record the song myself and have Brian produce and finish the track. So I called Brian back the next day and told him about this position, but Brian had decided to go ahead and finish his own version of the song. A week after the release of Pet Sounds, Brian was back in the studio for yet another rearrangement of the band's next single. The session produced backing track sections for a partial fourth version of Good Vibrations, consisting of a chorus, part one, a newly written bridge section, part two, a reversed pickup chorus, part three, and a fade chorus, part four. And guess what? None of this would be used in the final edit. The location, Sunset Sound, where they previously recorded, here today, and the source of a particular honky-tonk piano that was prepared by engineer Bruce Botnick, which Brian borrowed several times in other studios, used on I Just Wasn't Made for These Times at Gold Star. Brian rarely booked Sunset again after this session, but he has spoken fondly about its sound, especially the piano, and seems to misremember that the first bridge in this finished single was recorded there. Dennis, Carl, and Al frequented the studio for their own productions in the late 60s to early 70s, and in April 2004, it became the site for their re-recorded Brian Wilson Presents Smile album. Okay, so first up, the chorus. The arrangement hasn't changed much. We now have Carl on Fender bass, which he would handle in the studio more frequently here on out, along with Carol Kay and Lyle Ritz. There's a clear specter thing going on in the percussion with some castanets on the upbeats and a stronger emphasis on the flute section. No bass harmonica this time, but there's a kazoo played by Jay Amigliori. There's yet again a new bridge section, slated as part two. The chords are a simple vamp between F and C minor 7 over F. A progression that would pop up many times over the next year, and we'll get to all of those later. Driven by Al DeLore's tack piano and a bass line, copped from River Deep Mountain High, with a minor key unison flute trio riff, and a timpani snare pattern right out of I'm Waiting for the Day,
0: on the top of the 16th bar I forgot to tell you flutes Uh I want you to also make up the changes a little quicker you it feels like you're way behind the whole thing really one more please Eight. try to get that quarter note feel as perfect as we can now let's go we're almost finished here we go
1: just a day later Brian came back to Sunset Sound for additional woodwind overdubs which were apparently not kept on the multi-track so we don't really have anything to talk about or listen to but it's likely that some of that time was spent on a backing track edit that incorporated the new pieces. Engineer Bruce Botnick recalls, After Pet Sounds was done and I had heard what he had done, I was very happy. When he called up and told me he was trying to do with good vibrations, I knew he was into a space that no one had been before. He had a vision in his head. I spent more time with Brian on good vibes than Pet Sounds. I remember doing a session of choruses for that song and a session of verse and bridge. At the time, he would have me edit the new pieces and edit out and destroy the old pieces. He didn't want to have anything else around. Of course, no verses were actually recorded at sunset that we know about, but it's an interesting quote nonetheless. There were probably many such edits of Good Vibes throughout its long gestation period before arriving at the final product, but unfortunately, only one has actually survived on tape, and it isn't this one. The new bridge recorded here may have been a replacement for the old one, or possibly it was an additional bridge to follow the first? We don't know. The latter option would mean the final structure was already in place. A mere two days later, and Brian returns to the comfortable home of Western for another remake. The goal of this session was to essentially rework the sections demoed at Sunset Sound earlier in the week, only now with the short coda from May 4th thrown back onto the to-do list. Alongside Brian's typical crew of musicians, this is the only known Beach Boys session for which Emil Richards, a known mallet percussionist with the wrecking crew, was hired playing a Hungarian hammered dulcimer known as the cimbalom. <laughs> Very Eastern-influenced, I think, and maybe influenced by the Beatles in that way. But this is also the first time we hear Bill Pittman using a fuzz tone pedal on his bass, which establishes a sonic hallmark of the Smile Sessions. This first section, known as Part C, is a replacement bridge that greatly expands on the core musical material of the Sunset Sound version. The chords here are the same, but the rhythm is different. It's played in straight eighths rather than the bouncy triplet shuffle, and uh, the overdubs here are pretty interesting. You've got Emil Richards doubling the bass line on cymbalom, and uh, the piano rhythm is replicated by all four woodwinds. The next section is the chorus, and it opens with Brian offering the musicians some visine for their eyes, <laughs> claiming that if you are smashed, you know it clears up the redness. No response.
0: Anybody like any visine for their eyes? In case they're in bad shape. You know? What's it do? Huh? It, uh, it's like saltpeter, it's like, you put it in your eyes and uh, if you're like smashed, you know, it clears up the redness. Here we go.
1: The musicians then rehearse the new chorus. You've got Mike Milvoin keeping the rhythm on the piano, as well as Carl joining him on guitar. The percussion here is made up of a trio of drums, tambourine, and sleigh bells, played by Jim Gordon, Steve Douglas, and Gary Coleman, respectively. The honking kazoo is gone. And now, in its place, is a new fuzz-based part played by Bill Pittman, that complements the main line.
0: Making sense? It's making sense. Steve, let me hear that. Like, yeah. go two, three, I I like you were before. All right, let's try it again. Take, let's make this take one, please.
1: The main bass here is played by Motown guitarist Arthur Wright on standard electric bass and then Lyle Ritz on upright. Overdubbed were the two flutes and two piccolos, played by Steve Douglas, Jay Migliori, Laz Johnson, and Jim Horn.
0: perfect
1: part D or fade sequence is a long run through of several sections in one it starts with the usual backwards chorus and then the prelude to fade reappears for the first time since May 4th after this the chorus fade is played in a flat until the track breaks down
0: all right take it from B flat here we go let's make this uh, this will be part D take one. Fate sequence, take one.
1: Ultimately, the second half of Part D, the Prelude to Fade and Fade chorus, was the only material used from this session on the final single, with the cello overdub, of course. So after three and a half months and dozens of hours in the studio, all we really have to show for it is about half of what would become the final backing track. We'll pick back up at Western Recorders next month and really see this masterpiece take shape. I really hope you guys are enjoying this little journey. I've been learning a lot. Um, I never really put in the time to listen to all these different Good Vibration sessions. And we've only made it about halfway through. Um, And I've been really excited about listening and learning and especially thanks to um, our research team, uh, Will and John. And uh, I gotta give a shout out to all the Beach Boys authors who have written books and the historians who have done websites and blog posts and magazines and, and everything else. I don't give you guys enough credit and I really appreciate your work because it gives me plenty to go on when I do this podcast. So um, I want to give a shout out to five of my favorite Beach Boys books and authors. Number five is John Stebbins and The Beach Boys FAQ is my favorite one of his books, but he has three great ones um, that I've read. The uh, Dennis Wilson book, The Real Beach Boy, The Lost Beach Boy about David Marks, and then, um, of course, The Beach Boys FAQ, which is such a fun book and such an easy book to read, and uh, I definitely recommend all three of those. Uh, Number four, Peter Ames Carlin, who wrote Catch a Wave. The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of Brian Wilson. It's just a great book. It's really thoughtful. He he really loves the music, and he understands the journey. Um, And it is more or less a Brian Wilson biography. And I recommend that over both of the autobiographies that Brian wrote or didn't write. Um number three, I'm going to have to go with a controversial one. It's Keith Badman, and the book is called The Definitive Diary of America's Greatest Band on Stage and in the Studio. And there's a lot of misinformation in this book. That's that's true. And, you know, you cannot really blame this guy because there's so much that is floating around there that is incorrect. And there's a lot of sources that don't have all the facts right. And I think this book is just a really entertaining day-by-day chronicle of the Beach Boys and the individual members and all the shows they played and all the sessions they had. And yeah, sure, there's a lot that we've been able to uh, correct since this book came out, but I really do recommend it. It's so much fun to read. You can just pick it up, find a day in history, and have a good idea of what the Beach Boys were doing on that day. It's super fun. Um, Number two, I'd have to go with Mike Love, My Life as a Beach Boy, Good Vibrations. What a great book, especially the audio book. Bruce, meanwhile, did receive his draft card. He, too, strongly opposed the war, though he took a more creative path to avoid service. He had a slender surfer's body, and he bought a pair of jeans, washed and dried them several times so they were extremely tight, and wore them
0: when he went to his draft board for induction. He also borrowed a girlfriend's
1: blouse, applied a touch of makeup, and found opportune times to bat his eyes and shake his hips. The draft board disqualified Bruce as homosexual, or in the vernacular of the day, he fagged out. And my number one is probably a little controversial too, but it's Stephen Gaines, Heroes and Villains, which I love so much. I've read it several times and um, it doesn't always paint the boys in the best light, but I think it's a pretty honest book about some of the tougher times that the band has gone through in the late seventies and early eighties. And, um, it's great, especially if you're a big fan of that era and Dennis Wilson and Brian trying to get his life on track. Um, it's really interesting and I can't recommend it enough. So thanks to all these authors. I feel like I owe you guys a lot because I can't do this without you. So thanks a lot. And uh, I want to thank Will C for providing new music for the show. We've got new smile music now. So thanks, Will. And I want to thank Matt Thompson, who does our graphic design. That just about covers it. Please check us out on Facebook. We have a great group there called Sail On, the Beach Boys Appreciation Group. Check out our website, sailonsounds.com, for our tribute tour dates. And you can send us a voicemail at 615-606-3887 Email at sailonpodcast at gmail.com And let me know what your favorite smile session is And also, thanks to David Beard over at Endless Summer Quarterly I almost forgot, but there's a new issue out as a tribute to Nick Walesko and I'm excited to read it Thank you guys And I will talk to you guys real soon. Sail on, sailors.